Welcome to Paranormal Almanac. With your host, Kurt Sandvig. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's talk about UFOs. That's right, you want to hear them? I've got them. But first, as always, let's head on over to patreon.com slash paranormalalmanac for shoutouts. That's right, we got shoutouts going out to Eric, Joe Marisol, Brad, or Nez Headshot, I like both, Aaron, Alexandra, Amy, Andrea, April, Ashley, Becca, Brandon, Chuck, Dan, Donald, Dorian, Isabel, Jason, Lauren and Phil Mangano, Lauren Strawn, hey howdy hi, Lindsay Hahn, Manning, Martin, Michael, Milldog, Robin, Sean Bishop, hey howdy hi, aloha to the Sean Bishop, Sherry, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Trudy, Vanessa, Veronica, Vicky, Andrew, Art Muffin, Autumn, Carolyn, Cindy, Derek, Dill, Ezra, George, Harley, Heidi, Roger, Jeff, T, Juliana, Carrie, Connie, Christopher, Lawrence, Leo, Liam, Loki, Megan, Nanashi, Paul, Ricardo, Russell, Seth, Scustin, Suzanne, Tasha, Tim, Voidtech, Audra, Bob, Cindy, Devin, Elizabeth, Daniel, J, Mark, J, Jerry, Kenneth, Kim, Laura, Pitts, hey, howdy, hi, Melody, Paula, Ricardo, Scott, Spencer, Terminal Animal, what's that, Will, Alicia, and Jen. With, of course... Two very special shout-outs to Joe Teague and to Stitch. Alrighty, before I really get into this episode, I have got something that I got to tell you guys about. I have been invited to try out a brand new app called Wisdom. And I wanted you guys to come and find me on it. I'm going to do a a, uh, presentation, if you will, or a talk, or however you want to say it, on Wisdom. But I'll give you the date later once I figure it out. But I want you guys to set up Wisdom now in preparation for this event. Now, it sounds very cool. They reached out to me because they're looking for, you know, experts in their field. And as you guys know, I don't, I've often said I don't think there is a paranormal expert. I don't claim to be one. But I have done unofficially over 200 episodes about the paranormal. And Wisdom was nice enough to reach out to me and say, hey, do you want to come on? and share your wisdom, to which I said, yes, definitely, cannot wait to do it. So like I said, basically, it's a brand new app. It's called Wisdom. If you have an Apple phone, uh, an iPhone, if you will, head on over to the iPhone store. I don't know. I don't have an iPhone. I only have an Android, but it's not on the Android just yet. So you have to have an Apple product to get the Wisdom app. Download it now, and very soon, probably next episode, maybe even the live episode, I'm going to give you a time and a day that I will be on wisdom imparting my paranormal almanac type wisdom to you all. I look forward to seeing you guys on there. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be very cool. It, uh, it sounds like a really cool app. It's a social audio app for mentors. And I would never, ever consider myself a mentor, but I do have a lot of people reaching out to me on how to do paranormal investigations, how to set up specific paranormal equipment, what I use when I go on investigations, where should you go, when should you go, do you have to have the lights out, and more. 
So I figure instead of you guys just asking via email or on the live episodes one at a time, why not you just join me over here on Wisdom and we'll do a master class on all things Paranormal Almanac. There is even talk of them doing a one-on-one conversation on wisdom. So if that's something you're really interested in, you don't want to go through and, and do the typing in the chat for a live episode or sending me an email or a message or Facebook or whatever, Instagram, whatever it is, because sometimes I'm very hard to get a hold of because I get so many of those. Well, how about a one-on-one conversation right there on wisdom? Like I said, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm very, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really, really looking forward to this. I can't wait to see what they do with this. Can't wait to see what I do with it. Trust me, no matter what I end up doing with it, it is going to be a good time. So I'd like to thank Wisdom for reaching out to me in the first place because I think that is very, very cool. And um, like I said, I'm very eager to see uh, what happens when we all get together on Wisdom. So if you've got an Apple device, download it now and stay tuned. I'll make sure I'll put it on the Facebook page and on a Twitter and and on a live episode, and I'll talk about it on this, you know, the regular episodes. I will tell you when, when and where. All righty, with that, with that fun out of the way, let's get right on into Paranormal News. Paranormal News. The first story up in paranormal news, Time Traveler reveals big world changes over the next four years. One is in weeks. That's right. This one just came up three days ago, so it is very fresh in paranormal news. There's a self-proclaimed time traveler. He says he knows the big changes the world is facing over the next four years. The TikTok user named That One Time Traveler claimed he was a real-time traveler when he appeared on social media to tell of the supposed upcoming dates, and one of them is in weeks. He posted, Yes, I'm a real-time traveler. There are two dates to remember for December 2021. The dates to be aware of are December 20th and Christmas Day, December 25th. Nope. Much better. So let's see, the post goes blah, blah, blah. December 20th, eight humans receive superpowers from the energy waves of the sun. So I'm just putting it out there right now. If you're listening to Paranormal Almanac and you're one of the eight humans that will receive superpowers on December 20th from the energy waves of the sun, I want to do an episode all about you. But you got to be able to prove it on camera or in person. And the other date, December 25th, Christmas Day. It's a little bit more, it's not as clear. He's just kind of teasing. He says, something big will happen on this day that shocks the world and changes the way humans live forever. In an earlier TikTok post, he said, the big day is remembered for centuries and changes how humans live. This will 100% prove that I'm a real time traveler. Don't forget the date. Additionally, the time traveler claims countries known as Sweden, Norway, and the United Kingdom and Finland will unite together in 2027, creating a massive powerhouse. It would inspire smaller countries to want to join. Other countries like this this idea, and this starts to a big spark in uniting big nations together. And 
in 2024. As per the dates noted by the time traveler, a 35,000-year-old bunker will apparently be discovered. The bunker, which would supposedly be located in Argentina, has many secrets inside of it, such as ancient times, technology, hidden codes, and more. In another significant date to remember, this guy's got a lot of dates for you guys, August 20th, 2022. He says, the sky across the earth will become a bright green color. The reason the sky turns green is because a planet not too far from earth explodes that is full of green rocks. Oh, come on. The green sky lasts for around five hours and then slowly fades away. It is also claimed in 2022 that the LA Lakers will defeat the Brooklyn Nets in game seven. The man who believes he's a time traveler from 2030 claims he has x-ray proof of a device planted in his hand. This, he insists, helps him, helps him jump dimensions for secret missions. The uh, self-styled time traveler, who calls himself Noah, says it was inserted before he went back in time, but got stuck in the wrong year. Another TikTok traveler, time traveler from 2714, meanwhile, has, predict, has predicted when a human fish species and an alternative universe will be found. The out-of-the-world prophecy sees things taking a strange turn on Earth in just days. The wild predictions come from another one called Aesthetic Time Warper. The account is known as a real time traveler. He believes three teens will open a portal to an alternate universe using a T-Rex dinosaur egg in December 2021. Oh my God, that's now. And in February 2022, he says the fabled city of Atlantis will be found in the Atlantic Ocean, which will be home to a new human hybrid fish species. Yeah, there's a lot in there. It's a lot to unpack. So, Time Traveler from 2174 says three teens in December 2021 will open a portal to an alternate universe using, of course, what you always use to do that, a T-Rex dinosaur egg. And then the two dates, the 20th and the 25th. Be aware. Be very aware. So, again... Lots of time traveler stuff going on in paranormal news. Moving on to the next story in paranormal news. Mysterious sounds heard underneath frozen lake in Colorado spark alien conspiracy theories. Mysterious uh, UFO sounds recorded from under a lake in Colorado have sparked a bizarre alien-based conspiracy. But science may have some more mundane explanations as to where this Martian noise is actually coming from. Recordings taken from the Steamboat Springs in Colorado were recorded by an employee of the Colorado Wildlife and, and Park Service on December 2nd. The staff member posted them to Twitter, which has subsequently been shared to UFO Sightings Daily and blah, 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 a whole bunch of stuff, calling it the Strange Star Wars Sounds. Analyzing the audio, truth seeker Scott C. Warning said, White sphere UFOs have been recorded and eyewitnesses by the thousands of residents of Colorado's over the last few years, the signal points to there being an alien base deep below the lake, which amplifies the sounds below due to it being frozen. It acts as an amplifier. Let's listen to the sounds now. Yeah, it sounds like Star Wars. Got more? Nope. All right, that was it. All righty. Uh, yeah, you know what? I've heard that uh, noise before uh, when 
ice is being formed, but you know, whatever. But this guy says, no, this is 100% proof of an alien base below this lake in Colorado. But if signals can travel up from the alien base, then it would also work to send signals back down to the base. A loud enough speaker placed in a dugout one meter deep ice hole at the center of the lake would be sufficient to send them a sonic signal. But what would you say? In the wrong hands, it could even cause an alien military response. Now, according to NPR, shifting in the ice of a frozen lake causes high and low sound frequencies. The vibrations move through the ice, but the high frequencies move faster than the low frequencies. Yeah. Another person said, yeah, you know what? Ice makes this noise at random times when it gets thicker and thinner. Another one said, yep, I've heard these sounds myself in winters when it's ice. It's got nothing to do with aliens. And another one said, that's the sound of McDonald's ice cream machines makes to let you know it's out of order. Womp womp. Yeah, sorry guys. I don't think it's an alien base, but you know, sure. Why not uh, <clears throat> make that giant speaker anyway? And, uh, you know, try and piss them off. Let's see what happens. Could be fun. Alrighty, up next in paranormal news, Pentagon UFO rapid response team ordered up by Congress. Teams of Pentagon and intelligence community experts would rapidly response to uh, would rapidly respond to military UFO sightings and conduct field investigations under newly unveiled defense legislation passed or set to pass by Congress. Hasn't passed yet, despite what this article says. They say that um, they want scientific and technical experts to analyze data about the objects or what the military calls UAPs. The bill requires all of the findings to be collected under a new joint UAP office and delivered to Congress in an annual report and biannual briefings to defense committees, marking the most significant UFO legislation ever passed in the, in the U.S. following high-profile encounters by the Navy. Yep, we'll see if that actually happens, and more importantly, we'll see if they actually tell us the truth. All righty, up next in Paranormal News, let's keep on keeping on. we got a lot to get to. ISU professor... Bigfoot is real. One Idaho professor is going on the record about Bigfoot. The supersized The Proof is Out There episode is going to be on the History Channel, and it features show host and, and journalist Tony Harris, who breaks it down frame by frame with three experts, including Idaho State University Dr. John Meldrum. He is a professor of anthropology and anatomy. He reviewed the famous 1967 Patterson-Gimlin film, that allegedly captured Bigfoot, or as they call her today, Patty, on the move. Uh, let's see. Isaac Titan, one of his peers, uh, uses high-tech restoration process, will define, refine the old 67 Patterson-Gimlin film and take the conversations from legend to what actually could be the elusive biped hominid we call Bigfoot. Other experts weigh in as well. Uh, Ken Gerard, a zoologist, or Gerard, a zoologist, Roxy Ehrman, and anthropologist Kathy Strain. They all give their take on the old film. So if you guys like the Patterson-Gimlin film as much as I do, I love it. Well, History Channel's got something for you, and it's called The Proof is Out There. Up next in Paranormal News. Loch Ness Monster Taming Saint marks its 1500th birthday. 1500th. Next month sees the 1500th anniversary of the birth of Scotland's most famous Irish immigrant, St. Columba of Iona, a man who played a vital role in the creation of the country as we know it. If you don't know this legend, I've talked about it in the past. Uh, check it out. Listen to all the Loch Ness episodes. They're great. 
But uh, it's a cool little legend about a saint and Nessie, not a monster. Up next in Paranormal News, cryptid fan hopes her museum brings attention to a forgotten cryptid. That's right, the Snallygaster, a weird beast of German heritage, could bring some business to Western Maryland. Meanwhile, it provides a much-needed break from all the crap in the world. Uh, this girl, Sarah Cooper, uh, says that uh, Snallygaster is something everybody needs to know a little bit more about. She is the founder and owner of the American Snallygaster Museum and says the cryptid story is that uh, is one that is not only an untold gem amongst rural legends, but also a story that could bring tourism to Frederick, Maryland era, area. I'm a big fan of cryptids and cryptozoology. It's my favorite thing. When I moved to Maryland a few years ago, I started doing all this research about the folklore, and I found out about the Snallygaster, and I was like, why isn't this more of a thing? Well, guess what? I've done an episode about it. In the uh, 1770s, German immigrants came to Western Maryland and brought with them brats, beer, dances, and the Schnellgeist or quick spirit. Over the year, the legend turned from stories told to small children to creatures living in the area. In 1909, residents reported seeing a Snallygaster, described as a dragon-like creature, half bird, half reptile. The monster was said to have very large wings, a metallic beak, glowing red eyes, tentacles for arms, sometimes coming out of its mouth, and razor-sharp metallic talons. So if you're into the Snallygaster, or maybe you've never heard of the Snallygaster, but you're in the western Maryland area... Check out the American Snallygaster Museum. And when you're there, tell Sarah Cooper I want her on this show. Just a chat. I think it'd be cool. All right, up next in Paranormal News, researchers discover and photograph what he believes are possible Bigfoot graves. Thomas Markham, the founder of a cryptozoology and paranormal research organization and the author of Understanding Bigfoot, Helpful Information and Answers to Common Questions, recently came across what he believes are unmarked Bigfoot graves. Don't effing shoot Bigfoot, but if they're already dead, let's dig them up. Let's check this out. In a recent post on the organization's website, Markham delves into why he believes these mounds may be Bigfoot graves, why no one has ever discovered any remains of the creature after they die, and why, despite making this potentially historic find, he refuses to do any excavation. Let me repeat that. You can't just point at something like a mound or a little dirt hill and go, hey, you right there? That is a Bigfoot grave. It's going to be the most potentially like incredible scientific discovery ever. And it's right there. Ah, no, no, no. We're not going to dig it up. Nope. You just got to take my word on it. It's a Bigfoot grave. Take my word. No, nope, nope. Don't go over there. No, that's dumb. Go over there. Let's find out what the heck is going on. Dig it up. Check it out. What the crap? Come on, guys. Uh, let me keep going here. He says that um, he made he made news previously when he claimed to have spotted a pair of Bigfoot entering a coal mine in the mountains of northwest Kentucky. He believes that one of the reasons why we may not find Bigfoot bones is because they often bury their dead. There may have been times while out hiking, exploring, or conducting Bigfoot research that I may have found or come across what appears to be a grave of some sort. Many years ago, we found we came across one while logging way back in the head of a hollow. We didn't take pictures and, of course, didn't disturb it. This was many years ago, but over the last 8 to 10 years, I have found similar humps of dirt in places that are in the middle of nowhere. Again, dude, you think you found something like that? Dig it up. For the love of God, dig it up. Uh, let's see what else this idiot, uh, this nice person have to say. Um, 
There are actually two of these that are uh, probably 30 to 40 feet apart. This is in an area where I've had several Bigfoot encounters and found many tracks. Now, of course, I have no idea if these are really graves or just odd humps of dirt on the ground. It could be nothing more than a natural formation or something a person did a long time ago. I have not and would not dig into them, but I am confident that Bigfoot does bury its dead. Uh, boy. He also clarifies why he doesn't disturb these possible Bigfoot graves or share their specific locations, writing if, and I say if a possible unknown grave was to be dug into and the remains exhumed, it would need to be it would need to be done by experts with the proper authority. You would want to preserve all that could remain of the remains. Yes, guess what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so I tell you what. This guy, whoever the crap you, Thomas Markham, I'm going to try and find him. If you guys can find him online, tell him the same thing. I will dig up the graves. I will have an expert dig up the graves, do an archaeological dig of one of those graves. And if you're right, you are going to be put down, brought down in history, whatever you want, go down in history as the person who discovered proof of Bigfoot, the thing that we've been, the missing thing that we've been trying to do for decades. And if you're wrong, well, then we just dug a little bit of a hole. We'll, you know, put the dirt back into it and everybody would be fine. But for the love of God, they're already dead. Let's dig one up. And finally, in paranormal news, new Bigfoot footage has experts admitting it could be real. Footage appearing to show a Bigfoot in a forest in the United States left people intrigued, and experts are admitting there's a possibility it's real. A video clip of a large ape-like creature filmed throughout the tree line was posted on the Instagram account Cryptid University, a profile dedicated to the stories about Bigfoot and other cryptids it appears to show a large black creature and was believed to be filmed in the forest of uh, Georgia in the southeastern area of the country of U.S. Yeah, we know where that is. Um, initially, the creature appears to be crouching before standing up tall to reveal its enormous height. The footage is admittedly shaky, but it hasn't stopped people from believing that it's real and admitting that we'd be terrified to witness it. All righty. Let's get through this so we can actually get into this episode. I'm going to watch it right now. I'll tell you what you think. Tell you what I think, I should say. All right, there's something black in the woods. I think it's a bear. Still think it's a bear. Still think it's a bear. It's kind of rocking back and forth. Oh, it doesn't stand up like a bear. I'll give him that. It does not stand up like a bear. It stands up like a, like a Bigfoot. Big, long arms. All right, here's my problem with it, though. Wait, I got to watch that again real quick. My problem with it is, is there is a timestamp or obviously a watermark on the right side of the film, of the camera, whatever, and it's blurred out. Why blur that out? Um, and then why doesn't the camera follow it when it goes off to the right? You finally get some good clear footage of it walking. It just starts to walk off camera right and they just stop. And there's music involved in it as well. Uh, again, the fact that it cuts out right when it cuts out, that's a huge grain of salt for me to go. That's definitely a Bigfoot. It's proof. I don't know. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with Paranormal News. We are back. Alrighty, it's getting close to Christmas time, so I can't guarantee you'll get the stuff before Christmas. But if you head on over to storeenvy.com, store and oh my goodness, if you head on over 
to storeenvy.com and search for Paranormal Almanac. That's where you'll find all the Paranormal Almanac merch needs. We are back, though, on this edition. Let's take a look at three, eh, kind of four, technically, UFO abduction stories that have gone down in history as some of the best evidence for UFO abductions that a lot of you probably haven't even heard of. For this first story, let's go way back to December of 1954. Just for a brief moment, we're going to get right out of 54 pretty quick. But that's when two Venezuelan teenagers saw something shiny in the woods. They thought it might have been a wrecked car, so they went to go and investigate it. They say they got when they got closer, they noticed it's definitely not a car, but it does kind of look like a UFO. And they're like, what the crap? That looks like a UFO. And right then, four small, hairy humanoids came out of the UFO and basically attacked them. So these little hairy alien dudes, they actually grab one of them, a guy named Jesus or Jesus Gomez. I'll say it's Jesus. Uh, so hey, they grab Jesus and they start dragging him towards the UFO. The other teen, Lorenzo Flores, actually hit that alien over the head with an unloaded shotgun that he was carrying for some reason they doesn't mention. But he said the alien wasn't even phased by being hit with it at all. In fact, he said it was like hitting a brick wall or iron. And when he hit the alien, he hit it so hard it actually broke the shotgun. So uh, Lorenzo grabs onto Jesus, and they start, he starts kind of like dragging him away from the UFO while the aliens are dragging him towards the UFO. And while he's doing that, Jesus is kind of like kicking and pull. Boom, they break free of the alien. So Jesus gets up, and they run away as fast as they could. This was the end of this encounter. And I can't blame him at all, like, except for like why he's walking around with an unloaded shotgun. But I can't blame him at all to not like stop and try to get a better description or see watch the UFO take off. No, you get away as fast as you can if four hairy little aliens are dragging you towards a UFO. But like I said, so that story's over. The reason I bring this up is because skeptics say it may be the influence for the next story. I'm going to let you decide if this influenced the next one or is just a precursor to the next one because we're actually going to stay in South America and we're going to move forward three years to 1957. And you'll see what I'm talking about in just a minute. I'll bring up the story again. All righty. A Brazilian journalist named Joao Martins, he actually wrote about their incident in 1957. So three years later, he's writing all this stuff about uh, aliens and UFOs and what's not. And he actually writes about those two teens that got away from this tiny aliens. But he asked readers to send them their own stories. And he got one. Well, he got a bunch, but he got one that I'm going to be talking about right now. He got a response from a farmer, and here's that story. October 16th, 1957. 23-year-old Antonio Villaboas was doing some nighttime plowing. And the reason he was doing nighttime plowing is because he said that it was like the heat of the day was so brutal that he would rather just work overnight. And this was in fields near Saul Francisco de Sales. I'm sure I said that wrong. I apologize. So he's out there doing some nighttime plowing when he saw what he described as, quote, a red star in the night sky. Now, according to his story, this star approached him. It actually came towards him. It was growing in size, kept growing and growing and growing. 
until he recognized it as a, what he said was a roughly circular or egg-shaped aerial craft. Now, it had a red light at its front and a rotating cupola on top. That's fun to say, a rotating cupola. Uh, So the craft, the UFO, whatever you want to call it, started descending and it landed right in the field that he was plowing, extending three legs as it did. So as it's landing, Antonio says he was scared and tried to run away. And it doesn't, he doesn't really say, but somehow the aliens got out of the UFO really quickly as he's trying to run away. And one of these five foot tall aliens, they were all wearing gray overalls and helmets, they actually grabbed him. And then three more came out and they all dragged him on board the UFO. All right. So he's on board. He said the aliens eyes were blue and small. And their communication consisted of animal-like sounds or barks and yips and yelps, depending on where you get the translation from, but something to that effect. Now, once inside, Antonio said he was stripped nude and then covered from head to toe with a strange gel, which I got to say is one of the last things you want to happen to you when you get abducted. Not the last, but it's one of the last ones, being covered head to toe in a strange gel. So then he's led into a, a large Semi, semi-circular room, he said. And that's when he noticed that the doorway had strange red symbols written over it. Now, later, Antonio claimed he was able to memorize these symbols and reproduce them for investigators. But let's get back to the new gel-covered Antonio right now. So he gets led into that semi-circular room, and the aliens take samples of his blood from his... Guess where? No, it's from his chin. I, I, you Look, pervs. No, they just took a little blood sample from his chin. Bet you, I bet you didn't guess I was going to say Jim. There was no way you guessed. Oh, obviously chin, Kurt. So they take some blood from his chin. Why? No idea. But then he's led to a third room and left alone, he says, for about a half an hour, just, you know, nude and gelled covered. Then... Some kind of gas was pumped into that room, which he said made him become violently ill. But things take a turn for the better because after the gas and that, you know, gel stuff, a naked and he said attractive woman walks in. Now, Antonio described her as beautiful with long blonde hair and red pubes, 60s style. She was the same height as the other beings he had encountered, but with a small, pointed chin and large, blue, cat-like eyes. And yep, you guessed it. They banged. He said the female didn't kiss him, but instead nipped him on his chin. You know, I gotta say serious props to Antonio because I don't know if I would be up for sexy times after be covered after being covered in gel and gassed. But Antonio, oh, he was into the sexy times. All right, so sexy time ends, and the hot blonde motions to her stomach and then points upward. And Antonio said he knew what she meant. He said. She meant she was going to raise their child in space. See, again, I I would have thought that she meant she was hungry from all my sweet, sweet loving and that she was just going to go upstairs. But he said, no, no, she meant she's going to raise their child in space. Then he said, this is 
It's kind of sad. Then he said, the platinum blonde alien woman seemed relieved the sex was over and just left. So Antonio was being all angry because he felt like he was, quote, being treated like a good stallion. All right, calm down, dude. Most people just get the old anal probe and dumped back outside. So yours doesn't sound too terribly bad to me. So take, take it down a notch, Antonio. But he said after she walked out, the aliens came back in, gave him his clothes, and were nice enough to give him a short tour of the UFO, where good old Antonio tried to steal some clock-like thing off of one of their dashboards, but it was caught, and they were like, nah, you can't have that. And they kind of let him off the UFO. So, Antonio, just in my opinion, braggingly said, the abduction lasted four hours. Mm-hmm. Sure, let's, let's break it down here. So according to what he said, the gel, the chin swab, and the gassing, that was like 35 to 45 minutes. So the rest of the time was just the banging? Sure, dude. Anyhow, so Antonio said once he got back home, he was suffering from nausea and weakness, as well as headaches and lesions on his skin, which appeared without any kind of light bruising. All right, so, even though Antonio said the abduction took place the day after he read that article. See, I'm back to that article. That's why I brought it up. So that article came out in 1957 about those two teenagers from 1954. The day after he read the article, Antonio has his own UFO abduction, full-on sex story with a red-pubed alien lady. This is why many skeptics say it's the biggest problem to his story. And I got to say, yeah, it is a very odd coincidence. But I also have to say that Antonio's story was very different than the two earlier guys. I don't know what to make of that. So like I said earlier, you're going to have to decide, did he just read this article and then have some kind of weird UFO penthouse forum kind of day wet daydream? I don't know what to think of it. Well, it was nighttime. He was night plowing. Yeah, he was night plowing. Uh, so anyhow, so he tells Jao, I always forget how to say that guy's name, the author of the article, and he said, yeah, it's pretty damn convenient. And even Jao doesn't really believe Antonio. That is until he took him to see a doctor who checked out Antonio. That's when things kind of went real for him. He said, you know what? I really wasn't believing him. I listened to his story, listened to him brag about banging some alien chick, but I really didn't believe him until I took him to the doctor because that's when the doctor found the scab on his chin. But more importantly, the doctor said it did appear that Antonio was suffering from radiation sickness, such as nausea and bruising, burning sensations in the eyes, and skin that was painful to the touch. And that had me thinking, I wonder if that's why they covered him in the gel. You know, like, just go with me for a second. Maybe the aliens knew that the radiation on board the UFO would hurt him. They still needed him to, like, procreate or whatever, but they figured they'd cover him in a gel, and maybe that would protect him. Or maybe it's some kind of, you know, well, it wouldn't be... Uh, I was going to say, maybe it was some kind of uh, prophylactic, but they, you know, obviously are trying to make babies, so that's not going to help. But I, I got to think that that's why they covered him in the gel to try and stop this radiation sickness, and it just didn't work. 
Now, his symptoms were pains throughout the body, nausea, headaches, loss of appetite, ceaselessly, ceaselessly, that's hard to say, ceaselessly burning sensations in the eyes, cutaneous lesions at the slightest of light bruising, which went on appearing for months. This wasn't just a couple of days. This went on for months. He said that it looked like small reddish nodules, harder than the skin around them, and protuberant, painful when touched, each with a small central orifice yielding a yellowish, thin, waterish discharge. You got to get that looked at, man. Well, you did, but you got to get someone else to look at it. The skin surrounding the wounds presented a hyperchromatic, violet-tinged area. That's, that's a lot to fake. I get that it was really, really convenient that it happened to, you know, the alien abduction, the UFO abduction happened to happen the day after he read this article about UFO abductions. But how do you fake all of these symptoms? Not, again, not for just a couple of days, but for months. So there you go. Four years before Betty and Barney Hill's famous abduction is this one. Is it bizarre? Yup. Is it bat-ass crazy? Yup. Does it mean it didn't happen? Not, not necessarily. Something happened to this poor dude. I don't know what to think of it. What do you guys think? Sure. I'll admit, he probably made the alien woman hotter to make his story sound a bit better, in my opinion. Because, you know, he could have, or he would have, I should say, he would have been embarrassed to say, yeah, I banged an ugly alien. Like, you know the gray aliens from, like, Close Encounters Third Kind? Well, one walked in. It was naked. I was naked. I was covered in gel. I figured, why not? No, I get it. So, like, maybe, maybe he embellished his story a little bit, and I don't blame him for that. But maybe there's just a hot platinum blonde with red-pubed alien cruising around in UFOs banging dudes. I don't know. I will say, though, that Antonio stuck to his story until he died in 1991. So for what, like 30-some years, 40-some years, he stuck to his story. And he said, this is what happened to me. I can't explain it. Alrighty, from there, let's go to Athens, Ohio. In 1979, when twins Audrey and Debbie Hewins were just five years old. Now, Audrey is still really, really connected to alien abductions and conventions. And she said that soon after they were put to bed at the age of five, the room would flood with an incredibly bright blue light before their door would open. Now, the rest of the house would be filled with a foggy blue light. They described a buzzing or droning sound, kind of sounding like bees. And in the distance... Incoherent voices. Now, they called the gray aliens the bald men. Remember, they're only five, so I get that. If a bunch of gray aliens came walking in when I was five, sure, bald men would describe them fairly well. And they said that as soon as the door opened, the two, quote, bald men would enter their room and they would be taken aboard UFOs. Now, they said they were taken above their house in the UFOs Again, that's great imagination for five-year-olds. 79, sure, the UFOs are stories. You know, UFO stories were out there. In fact, I think Close Encounters was out there. 
maybe they were taken to see Close Encounters and they imagined it, but I don't know. And I'll get to that in a second. But they said, sometimes the floors, walls, and ceilings of the UFO would, quote, fall away and they could see the earth far below them. Now, this continued for years. The girls would actually beg their parents not to put them to bed because of the bald men. But not surprisingly, the parents just thought, you know, the girls wanted to stay up later and watch Knight Rider or whatever. Then, at age 12, Audrey said that's when the experimenting began. The aliens began experimenting on both girls. And when they were returned after the experimentations, the twins' memories both were missing huge chunks of the experience, huge chunks of time. All right, we're going to skip ahead a little bit. It keeps going on. Don't worry. They keep getting abducted or worry because it's kind of scary for kids to be abducted. But it keeps they keep getting abducted. Things keep happening. But let's skip ahead a bit. When Audrey, a few years later from that, from 12, said she was saved from drowning by what she described as, quote, a non-human entity. She said, it was then that I decided to dedicate my life to helping others who have also had encounters. I won't want them to feel alone. It's hard for people to come forward because they're afraid what everyone will think, that they're crazy. Only another experiencer can fully understand. So eventually, she created an organization called the Starburn, Starborn Support. And then she became the CEO of Experiences Speak Abduction Conferences. Sean Bishop Take note of this. I'm calling you out, buddy. Hold on and listen to this next part. Audrey says her hotline that she set up for abductees to call about their abductions, you know, like right after their abductions happens, rings a lot at 3.33 a.m., which she says is a popular time for people to be returned post-abduction. Sorry, buddy. And uh, let's see. Uh, That's about, that about, you know, does it for her, for them, I should say. But the fact that it was twins, they were both convinced they were having this experience. They both thought they, or they both continued to have the experience well past when it would have been, you know, if they were just kind of making things up because they were scared of the dark or whatever. No, it kept going on until adulthood. So you think one of them would have been like, oh, I was just kind of going along with what the other one was saying. It really didn't happen. I didn't see aliens. Nope. They're saying it did happen, continued to happen, and now they want to be there for other abductees. All righty, let's go on to the final story for this edition. For that, we go to Virginia, October 24th, 2007. That's when Terrell Copeland was walking by Gloomy Swamp when he says he captured footage of what he believed to be a UFO on his cell phone And uh, this was near his apartment in Suffolk, Virginia. He says it was an orb of light, just a big ball of light. It wasn't moving. One one was solid white. The other was directly across the street from it, uh, up 300 feet above ground. It was just changing colors very rapidly. And chasing the lights were military fighter jets. Then, three days later after that experience, he says... At that moment, I was driving a car near the Fresh Pride grocery store, and I saw a shining ball hovering over the center. I drove up to the parking lot and was not ready for what I saw. There was an object inside the ball of light, and the light was just an illusion. At first, I was just, uh, at first, I was thought 
At first, I thought, I'm, I'm assuming he misspoke. At first, I thought it was just a stealth bomber, but then realized that it, it's stealth, that it's stealth is not that great. Oh, I get what he's saying. First, I thought it was a stealth bomber, but then realized that its stealth was just not that great. He was able to see that the UFO was triangular in shape and massive. The triangle UFO moved slowly across the sky until it was out of sight. Then, after that incident, he began to repeatedly see UFOs or what he called strange objects in the sky, including from the window of his house. He didn't even have to go outside anymore. He'd look out the window of his house and boom, there they were. He went somewhere, boom, there they were. He saw these objects flying over lakes, hills, city dumps, his house, swamps, you name it, grocery stores, you name it. So he starts posting his sightings online and just thought, you know, like, ah, these are really cool experiences. People will get a kick out of them. And then he says, I woke up from a nap by the sound of someone trying to enter my apartment. And I said, who is it? There was no answer. You could see the doorknob was moving and like a scratching at the door. And I keep a firearm. It was on my table. And my thought was to get up and check. And that's when he discovered he was paralyzed. Then he heard a voice through the door tell him, you don't need the weapon. We won't harm. The guy walks in and uh, Copeland said, basically it's a guy, uh, the, the man identified himself as a military contractor and began asking personal questions, ultimately asking if Copeland was, quote, ready for the truth and stating that the government has a personal relationship with E.T. Copeland says, when you see these objects and then you do the research and you see there are so many people who have experienced the same thing as you, you have to say to yourself, maybe there is something to this. After that experience he started to notice he was experiencing missing hours. He said he was incapable of, uh, capable of accounting for four waking hours during a span of two nights. And that's when he decided to keep notes and sketches, and he would actually sketch anything that popped into his head. He was trying to get a handle on these missing time frames, these missing hours. So this is some of the stuff that he actually wrote about or sketched about. He says, I was in a room and I saw a woman who did not have complete human features. She had the typical black eyes that you hear about. She had an elongated skull and that startled me. And the next memory I have, the next memory I have is me standing on my balcony waving at this cylinder shaped ship. Well, that's nice. It was a nice ending. So Copeland said that his experience was for the best and has left him with the desire to quote, be a better person. He says, I feel if someone from above took notice of me, then maybe I'm doing something right. And if I'm doing something right, maybe I can do it better. I truly believe that what's, that's what all of this is leading to, a meeting with a biological entity. So this seems to be a more reasonable encounter with a female UFO. Now, sure, he's missing a lot, of, a lot more time, than Antonio, but it seems like at least he's kind of describing her a little bit more accurately, again, in my opinion. But he's not just some wacko. He's a he's a military personnel. Yeah, I believe he was a Marine. Seems to have like a you know his head on straight, but he just happens to really, really believe 
that he has been experiencing these UFO encounters and possible abductions for a while now. But he doesn't have any harm or, or ill will towards them. So there you have it. Three very different, well, technically four, like I said earlier, four very different UFO abduction stories. Two kids that almost got abducted but got away. A guy that did get abducted and had sex. Two girls that were abducted basically their entire life from the age five on. And then an ex-Marine who was abducted and he says it's leaving him to be a better person. His desire to be a better person. So what do you guys think? Did these people see what they said they saw? Did this one guy see numerous UFOs or badly stealthed UFOs for a while? I mean, Ter- Terrell saw it for a, a, you know, a long time. He saw more and more and more of them until that weird dude just came at his, knocking at his door and he, he was paralyzed from it. And he doesn't really go into, as far as I could find anyway, he doesn't really go into... You know, what happened? Did the guy let himself in? Was he paralyzed through the whole conversation? Or was he able to move once the guy came in, after the guy told him, like, hey, man, you don't need your weapon. We won't harm. It just seems odd. I mean, it definitely sounds like a men in black encounter. I can get behind that. They're always slightly odd. They're never phonetically quite right. But Terrell doesn't seem to be, you know, freaking out about it. He says it's leaving him to be a better person. All righty, now, now comes the weird question of the episode. If you had to, had to be, or had to have, I'll put it that way, if you had to have one of these abduction experiences, which one would it be? You just randomly walking and some little tiny, hairy, little alien monkey dude grabs you and starts dragging you into a UFO, but you're able to get away at fighting your, you know, fighting for your freedom. You're able to get away. That's A. That's column A. Text one for two and three for no. Um, you know, I don't know how you're going to get me these answers. That's column A. Column B, you get abducted. You get to be covered in gel. You get to have some sex, but then you have to, you know, suffer through like the worst alien STD ever. Uh, three. You're abducted, but it starts at the age of five. They start experimenting on you at 12, and it really changes your life. Completely just kind of dominates your life. Or, number four, you're seeing stuff all the time. UFOs everywhere you look. You got the men in black coming to visit you. You definitely had an encounter with a female alien that wasn't all sexy lady. But... You seem okay. You seem like you have a desire to be a better person. Which one of those four would you pick and why? Let me know. Once again, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. Hey, the Lily is boy, Bruce, and he's doing the most snillage name, Murphy.